0: The following reading from Cotton Mather's Works of Christ in America, 1702. Remarkable judgments of God on several sorts of offenders and several scores of instances among the people of New England. Observed, collected, related, and improved in two sermons. At Boston Lecture in the Month of July, 1697 by Cotton Mather. The First Sermon. Psalm one nineteen one twenty My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. It cannot be said of any man, as it is said of the Leviathan, he is made without fear. But fear is one of these natural passions which the maker of man has infused into him to move him in the mattress of his happiness. And indeed, if the spirit of man were destitute of all fear, it would lack a sinew needful to manage him in many of his motions." But this affection of our fear, by which we have such apprehensions of evils, is to fly from them, as it is useful to us in all our concerns. Thus it is of most imminent use to us in the concerns of religion. Without the exercise of some fear, no real religion can be exercised. If we would serve the Lord, it must be with fear. And a second oracle now before us. Behold such a fear exemplified. Solomon the Wise once wrote that maxim of wisdom, happy is the man that fears always. And he had the example of his blessed father to inform him of and confirm him in such a maxim. David was as great an instance of undaunted valor and courage as perhaps any that ever lived. His fortitude was heroical. Yet we find him fearing always, and well might he fear when he had such a formidable object for his fear as that which is proposed in the text now before us. The psalmist, in our context, is making his observations upon the dispensations of the God of heaven towards ungodly men on earth. Ungodly men had been very high in their worldly advancements and advantages, but he says, Lord, I see you treading of them down. Ungodly men had cleaved to the people of God as if they had been of one metal with them, and their fate and lot had been one. But, he says, Lord, I see you putting them away like dross. Now, there is a twofold use which the psalmist makes of these observations. One is love. Therefore, I love your testimonies. Another is fear. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. The degree of fear thus expressed is remarkable. One of the ancients who understood Hebrew, as few of them did, says, My hair even stands on end with fear. And the Septuagint renders it, "My flesh is pierced with fear, as with nails; but there is no need of evaporating our discourse and criticisms on the language of our texts to plain language, and the doctrine of it is that a very trembling fear of God and his judgments is what all men should and what good men will have their souls exceedingly awed with. If you will hear the sum of the matter, there is this case to be distinctly with all due brevity spoken to. What is the trembling fear of God in his judgments, which is to be entertained in our souls? And sir so what are those judgments of God in which it becomes us with the trembling fear to be afraid? Behold the steps by which we shall arrive to a full answer of the important case thus before us. Number one, the fear of God comprehends the whole of that religion in which the will of God obliges us. Indeed, in a natural fear, we are carried from what we fear. But a gracious fear will carry us to the God who is therein our fear. To fear God is to choose him, to love him, to trust him, to seek him, and to draw near to him. In this fear of God, there is presupposed a sense of God. We must be none of those fools who say there is no God. Our fear of God must not be as of an imaginary being or of the frightful non-entities which the feeble spirits of children are scared with all. We are all to be well satisfied, and we have all possible demonstrations to satisfy us that there is a God whose kingdom rules over all. But then first, there is in the fear of God a reverence, respect, and regard to all that has the name of God upon it. We must have such a fear of God in us that our God may speak of us in that style in Malachi four two. You fear my name. We should have none but fit, that is to say, holy and humble resentments of all those things in which the great God makes himself known to us. His titles we must mention with honor. His attributes we must adore with all affection. His appointments we must approach with all attention. We should be solicitous that God may be glorified, not only by ourselves, but also by all the world about us. Hallowed be thy name. It is to be the first petition of our souls. Secondly, there is in the fear of God a studious concern and caution to avoid all that sinful evil by which the law of God is transgressed. We must have that fear of God in which we are advised in Proverbs 16 verse 6. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. We should fly from every known sin as from a deadly serpent or poison because of the offense given to that God who has no pleasure in wickedness. When we see others do anything that is forbidden and condemned in the edicts of God, we should be able to say, as Nehemiah of old, but so do not I, because I have the fear of God. When others urge us to do anything amiss, we should reply, like Joseph, I dare not commit such things, for I fear God. And therefore the anger of God should be the terror of our souls. We should rather incur any miseries than procure that anger which the strongest mountains cannot stand before, and count it a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Thirdly, in the fear of God, there is a filial care to yield him that service and worship which may be pleasing to him. In a fear of God, we must obey him with our service. The angels of heaven who moved the wheels and the great changes on earth when they stood in their service before the throne of God, which had the appearance of fire round about him, they let down their wings at his voice in the vision of Ezekiel. In allusion to this, the apostle speaking to believers, that it be as the angels in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, which cannot be moved, says, in Hebrews twelve twenty eight and 29, serve God with reverence and with godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. In the fear of God, we must renounce the service of all our idols. We must no more humor the flesh, no more follow the world, no more gratify the devil, and we must now so devote ourselves to the service of God that we may be able to say, Lord, I am your servant devoted to your fear. He is to be our master, and we should leave no room for that expostulation, where is my fear? And in the fear of God, we must address him with our worship. The proselytes which came in to embrace the true worship of God have this distinction. In Psalm 115, 11, you that fear the Lord. In the fear of God, we must worship him who is worthy to be feared. And both the natural and the instituted worship of God is to be continually performed with us. We ought to be, as he once was, devout persons who fear God and pray always to him. All this is comprised in the fear of God, and yet you have no right notion of it, if a Christ be left out of the notion. There is a faith implied in this fear. The fear of God is, after all, to be thus described, and never fully till thus described to us. It is even such a dread of the divine displeasure at sin as drives us to our Lord Jesus Christ for salvation from sin and from the displeasure of God against us for it. There never was any true fear of God in the days of the Old Testament, but such a thought of and ran to a Messiah as a deliverer from the wrath of God. And all the fear of God in the days of the New Testament acknowledges our blessed Jesus as that Messiah. This is that fear of God which is the beginning of wisdom. This, that fear of God in which all men should be all the day long. This is that fear of God in which we should continue all the days that we live upon the earth. If you do not walk in the fear of God, O man, let your flesh tremble for fear and be afraid of the judgments in which you make yourself obnoxious. But this leads us to a further consideration, number two. Unto the fear of God we are by the consideration of his judgments to be awakened, and we should therefore be struck with a very trembling fear of those judgments. Now, the judgments of God are capable of a distribution into judgments denounced and judgments inflicted, judgments in the commission and judgments in the accomplishment, the declaration of divine judgments, and the execution of divine judgments. With an eye to this distribution, there are these counsels which from the great God of judgment are to be given you, the first counsel. Let us, with a very trembling fear, be afraid of the judgments that are pronounced against the ungodly in the book of God. They are used in our longest and sweetest psalm, no less than 12 several words, to signify the revelation which God had made of his purpose to save men by that son of a virgin who was to break the old serpent's head. And one of these words is judgments. This, then, is the influence which the judgments of God or the discoveries which he has made of himself in this book of his must have upon us, we should be able to say, as in Psalm 119, verse 161, Lord, my heart stands in awe of thy word. Are there any precepts in this book? We should fear the commandment, fear, and cry, Lord, I am afraid of breaking thy holy laws that are so holy and just and good. Are there any promises in this book? We should fear lest we should fall short of them. Are there any threatenings in this book? We should fear lest they take hold of us. Before everything in the book of God, we should have the same disposition that Josiah had when the book of Deuteronomy was read to him. The Jews have a tradition that by the special disposal of divine providence, the first place which the reader lit upon was Deuteronomy 28 verse 36. That it may be said to us, Thy heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou didst hear his words. We should be apprehensive of the Almighty God, speaking in every line of this book, and then be afraid, lest all the plagues written in this book overtake us if we sin against such a God. It was the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 66, 2, he that is of a poor and a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. When we see what judgments the word of God has threatened against the children of disobedience, we should even fall a trembling at them. And especially that are conscious to a course of disobedience against God should be afraid of these judgments. When Belshazzar saw upon his wall In handwriting, which he could not read, because perhaps the letters were so unfolded one among another, that except a man had the key of the cipher, the sentence was not easy to be unciphered, he was wonderfully terrified at what he saw. Unbelievers may read that handwriting in this book, if any man believe not the Son, the wrath of God abideth on him, and you will not be afraid of that wrath. Impenitents may read that handwriting in this book, The Lord will wound such an one as goes on still in his trespasses. And will you not be afraid of that wound? The prayerless may in this book read that handwriting. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all they that forget God. And will they not be afraid of that hell or fear him who is able to cast body and soul into hell? I say unto you, fear him. And oh, be afraid of these judgments. The Second Counsel Let us with a very trembling fear be afraid of judgments that shall be pronounced upon the ungodly in the day of God. It is a truth in which we are very sure, the God of truth has given us assurance of it, that he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the remembrance of this day, when the kingdom that was promised to the seed of David shall be erected, it is said in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, Fear God, for God will bring every work into judgment. We must expect the approach of a day in which the quickening and wondrous voice of our Lord Jesus Christ will raise us out of our graves. A day in which a doom of everlasting punishment or of life eternal will be passed upon us. A day in which, as the Apostle speaks, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive such things in the body according to what he has done for thus I choose to render it. Now let us fear the judgments which on this terrible day of judgment our Lord Jesus Christ will dispense to the world. Of these judgments it is that a great minister of our Lord could say in Second Corinthians five eleven: 11, knowing the terror of the Lord we persuade men. There is a terror in those judgments. Oh, well, let this terror now persuade us to pursue after an interest in him, that is to be our judge. And let it persuade us to repent of the sins which our judge will else damn us to endless confusion for. When a pagan Felix was told of the judgments which the notable day of God will produce upon mankind, it is said, he trembled. What? Shall we be worse than that unhappy pagan? When God was only publishing his judgments on the burning mountain, we are told so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. And shall not we exceedingly fear and quake when we think on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ will descend from heaven in flaming fire, to pour out his judgments? And behold, the Lord comes with myriads of his saints to execute judgment upon all. Certain I am, all this lower world will be surprised with an horrible fright at that great revolution." and horrible tempests will then be rained from heaven upon this world. The earth will shake and tremble, and the foundations of the hills also will move and be shaken, when our Lord shall bow the heavens and come down with a devouring fire about him. So then let us now shake and tremble at the contemplation of it. Be afraid, lest we be found among the ungodly that shall not stand in the judgment. Be afraid, lest our judgment then be that of the devil and his angels. It is a thing which I have given me in charge, some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Therefore I say to you, souls, be afraid, lest we be adjudged to the vengeance of eternal fire, even to the fire of the vengeance of God throughout eternal ages. The third counsel. There are astonishing judgments dispensed by the hand of God upon others in this world. And with a very trembling fear, we should be afraid of those judgments. The dispensations of God to a sinful world are such as give us that invitation in Psalm 66 verse 5. Come and see the works of God, for he is terrible in his doing towards the children of men. It is our duty now to be afraid of those judgments under which we see the children of men suffering by the terrible dispensations of God. I do not mean that we should live in a slavish fear of all fearful accidents, but that we should be awakened to the fear of God by what we see. Our duty is described unto us in Isaiah 26, 9. When your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And now let us proceed by these rules and this our duty. The first rule. There is one thing in the judgments of God in which we should always be afraid, that is, lest we do make an injudicious interpretation of them. It is a caution given to us in Psalm 36, 6. Your judgments are a great deep, O Lord, and we should be very cautious, lest we drown ourselves in such a deep when we go to fathom it. The judgments of God are those things in which it is said, Whoso is wise will observe those things but then we must be careful to proceed wisely in our observing of them. It is a dangerous thing for us to indulge our own fancy, and much more for us to indulge our own passion in making of glosses upon the judgments of God. God will not hold a man guiltless, who shall so take his name in vain. Very sad things may befall the people of God, which if he should call them the judgments of God, upon them for some crime or other, This would be as great a crime in us as to adulterate the coin of the nation. The sovereign God has made a cross to be necessary for all the disciples of him who died upon the cross, and he will in his infinite sovereignty make choice of their cross for them to exercise their virtue and prepare them and ripen them for his heavenly kingdom. If we should be so wicked as to suppose a curse of God upon all that we see under the cross, Behold, we should wickedly offend against the generation of the children of God, when the sons of the excellent minister of God, Aaron the priest of the Lord, came to an untimely end. It had been a vile impiety in the congregation of Israel to have persecuted their worthy and aged father with any censorious imputations. The judgments of God are like to arrest none sooner than the rash expositors of his judgments on other men. The jealous God will soon draw near in judgment unto those who persecute them whom he has smitten, and who talk to the grief of those whom he has wounded. Our Lord has given us a most wholesome admonition to be generally made use of when sore disasters happen to any of our neighbors in Luke 13:4 and 5. Think ye that these were sinners above all others? I tell you, nay. But what shall we then do to determine a judgment of God upon a sinner for his doing so? I answer first, the sin of the sinner must be evident from the scripture of God before we may dare to apply a judgment of God to him. It is very preposterous for us, first of all, to take it for granted, this or that calamity is a judgment of God for some iniquity, and upon this presumption to search out that iniquity... And secondly, a judgment of God for sin must be closed with some convincing circumstance and character upon it, reasonably to speak its being so before we may venture to call it so. There must be something in the time of it, or in the place of it, or in its resemblance to the fault for which it comes, or in the confession of the person chastised, it shall make the conscience to say, there are the plain signatures of a judgment for some sin in the stroke now given by God. Having first laid in this antidote against rash judgments of our own about the great judgments of God, we may safely go on to say the second rule. The judgments of God in former ages, they should make us afraid of the sins which procured those judgments. There came the judgments of God upon the murmurous Israelites, it is said in 1 Corinthians 10.11. All these things happen to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. Behold those judgments, then, and be afraid of all murmuring, be afraid of all impatience, be afraid of all discontent under the difficulties of a wilderness, lest we be destroyed of the destroyer. There came the judgments of God upon the debauched sodomites, it is said in Second Peter 2, 6. God made them an example to those that after should live ungodly. Behold those judgments, then, and be afraid of all debauchery, be afraid of all uncleanness, Be afraid of all intemperance, lest God condemn us with a fiery and early overthrow. Sirs, the history which the Bible has given us of the judgments which have come from God upon them that sinned against him, it is not only a chronicle of what is past, but also a calendar of what is to come. We have the history. There we may consider the days of old, the years of ancient times. But when we do so, let us be afraid, lest by repeating of old sins we bring a repetition of old plagues upon ourselves. When thunder and lightning from heaven suddenly turned a poor woman into a lump of salt for her covetousness near 3,800 years ago, that salt was to season us with fear, lest near the time of the end we perish like her by setting our hearts upon the world. Our Lord therefore said on that occasion in Luke 17.32. Remember Lot's wife. Thus I may say, remember Judas and be afraid lest we perish as he did in betraying the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ for some worldly benefit. Remember Herod and be afraid lest we perish as he did in proud affectations of what belong not to us. Remember all the rest. The Third Rule The Judgments of God on Other Places They should make us afraid lest we fall within the circuit of those judgments. When the judgments of God have begun their walk, we have cause to be afraid lest we fall into their walk, because with us, even with us also, there are sins against the Lord our God. It was prophesied in Jeremiah 25.32, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go from nation to nation. Do we behold other nations, grievously sharing in distress of nations, in great perplexity? We should be afraid lest we also have our share in the distressing judgments of God. Have the judgments of God sent war and poverty and scarcity upon other nations? We have cause to be afraid lest the evils of those judgments reach to ourselves unless we drink of that cup of trembling which God seems to be putting into the hands of all the nations. A fire on one house alarms all the town. The judgments of God have set all Europe on fire. Yea, the sparks are flown over into America. Lamentable desolations have been made both northward and southward of us. Be afraid then, O poor people of God, lest thou also become desolate. When the judgments of God were in their course, he said to his people in Zephaniah 3, 6 and 7, I have cut off the nations. Their towers are desolate. Their cities are destroyed. I said, Surely thou wilt fear me. Thus do we see destruction come upon other countries. Our God says thereupon, Surely this country too shall be afraid, lest I bring the like upon them. The fourth rule. The judgments of God season upon a few persons only before our eyes. They should make us afraid, lest we be the next that those judgments do seize upon. When one malefactor died, it was said all the people shall hear. And fear, thus if the judgments of God single out one malefactor to punish him, his voice is, let all be afraid. It is noted of a miserable minister, who, falling into a scandal, was presently overwhelmed by the judgment of God in Acts five. 5. great fear came upon all them that heard these things. When the judgments of God had signalized themselves upon any scandalous wretches, We should all be struck with a great fear, lest our sins expose us also to the signal rebukes of heaven. As if one drunkard in a town be drowned, it is a loud sermon to all the brutes about the town, to be afraid of being so cut off in their brutish follies. Thus in all the special judgments of God upon any offenders whatsoever, there is that voice from heaven to all such offenders. Tremble and repent, lest all of you likewise perish. Yea, the judgments of God upon a few, often should be seriously pondered by the whole body of the people whom they belong to, as the decimation made by that God who gives none account of his manners. God has a controversy with the whole body of the people. He might have pitched upon me or you to have been the subjects on which he does manage this controversy, as well as any of our neighbors. Oh, what cause have we now to be afraid of what we have also to meet with, when the judgments of God followed one man aboard a vessel bound for Tartessus, tis said in Jonah 1:16, all the other men feared the Lord exceedingly. Truly, if any one man aboard a vessel of the public be followed with a storm of judgments from God, it becomes us all to fear exceedingly.